0: If you would, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. So good to be with you this morning. Uh, I've just been thinking a lot about just the, even the title today of the foundation uh, of our faith, the foundation of our fellowship, which ultimately is Christ. And just thinking through that a little bit, I uh, came across a survey that was done not too long ago of about a million churches. And they asked them questions of, of what they believe, what they, what they understand about Scripture, and do they believe about total depravity, do they believe in sin, do they believe in hell, do they believe in the divinity and the humanity of Christ? And uh, out of that million churches, or close to a million churches, only 100,000 of those churches said that, that, yes, we believe in those things, those core doctrines of the faith. And out of that 100,000, only 2,000 said they preach it on a regular day-to-day, Sunday-by-Sunday basis. 2,000 churches. So I know from the very beginning, when I first walked into First Tree Bible Church, this church was all about God and his word and his people. And I knew the word was going to be preached and it was going to be proclaimed and it was going to be understood and it was going to be followed. And so from that point forward, it's that aspect for us to think about that. And so when we think about 1 John, he gives us basically um, a whole litany of things here to be able to work through and to think through. So I just want to read through 1 John chapter 1. Uh, not the whole chapter, actually the whole chapter and end of verse two end uh, of chapter 2. But I want you to think about this, and obviously I don't have anything on the screen above, so uh, you need, we'll need your Bibles this morning. Um, and thank Rob for all the extra work he does to put those slides together, because it takes a lot of extra time and effort, um, special programming and everything. So not only through his regular study, but just putting those up on the screen. So just thank Rob, if you would, um, through this week sometime, just for all the work and effort, energy he puts in to bringing the Word every single Sunday, because uh, it does take a lot. Um, to lay out the Word of God before all of us. But just so you know, this morning, no slides. So uh, my son is a little disappointed. He likes slides as well. But uh, maybe next time we'll bring you slides. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the Word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. Let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you and praise you for this morning. I thank you that we have the opportunity to come to First Tree Bible Church here in Lincoln, Nebraska, open up your word, and hear from you. Lord, I pray that this morning that you'd help us uh, better understand our relationship and our fellowship with you, in our fellowship with one another. Lord, I pray that you give us a sense of who you are this morning. I pray that you would help us, as those of us that have been believers for a long time, I pray that this would be a renewed, fresh sense of who you are, Father. Lord, I pray that, you would not, that we would not look at the messenger this morning, but you look at the message, and ultimately that we look to you most importantly and most fully, Father, of what a great God and Savior that you are. I thank you to have given us the entirety of Scripture that we can look back on and we can see faithful men like the Apostle John and others who have proclaimed your truth, and that truth has now brought us through millennia, Lord, as we look back and see your faithfulness in the lives of these men. I pray that you would help us as followers of you, disciples of you, to follow after you hard, to honor you and glorify your name, and to praise you in such a way that is when people see our love for you and our love for one another... <clears throat> It would radically transform the way they think about Christianity and the way they think about Christians. The Christians are ones that love not because we're loved, but because you loved us. Lord, I pray you'd help us love the way you've loved. Lord, you laid it all on the line. You laid it all down on the cross for each one of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us a renewed sense of peace and a renewed sense of purpose, a renewed sense of passion Far this morning as we look into your word. Lord, calm our hearts Open our minds, Lord, help us to honor you and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Set the table a little bit. I wanted to give you a little bit of, uh, about the first, uh, first John. Uh, the apostle John wrote this about 60 years after the ascension of Jesus. So 60 years um, later, John is still proclaiming the same truth that he saw um, with Christ walking on this earth and with his ascension, and he was actually refuting false teachers Teach, uh, speaking to believers, he's refuting false teachers that in our passage talking about that they were denying the divinity and the humanity of Christ, his incarnation. So they're more focused on the, the spiritual. They weren't focused on the flesh or the human. And so they thought, well, it's, it's godly to be spiritual, but it's not godly to have any kind of flesh. And so when they talked about Christ, they would say that they would deny his, his humanity they understood a little bit of his deity. They, they may uh, agree with that a little bit, but they wouldn't agree with the full deity and the full humanity of Christ, his incarnation. So thinking about his incarnation, thinking about his being fully God and fully man, John speaks of that here in 1 John, first part of 1 John. Then in 1 John 1, 5 through 2, um, 2-2, he actually refutes the false teachers who are denying the existence or the importance of sin in the life of people. So they would actually say that there wasn't any sin there, there, wasn't any, there, there was no need for repentance, no need for that, because there was a, we're moving that or moving that out of the way altogether. And so they would deny the humanity of Christ, complete humanity, complete divinity of Christ, and they would refute um, the aspect of sin, the importance of sin in the life of the individual. So looking at verse, uh, 1 John chapter 1, as you get kind of a little bit of a context there, we see John obviously going full bore on to refuting that claim. He's going to say, no, God was fully man, or Jesus was fully man and fully God. Both divine and human. Fully God and fully man. So look at verse 1 of chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and we looked upon, and we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. Now, thinking about that a little bit, understanding that that we see that, that we have, he has actually seen, he has heard, and he's looked upon, and he has touched. Think of those three things, those four things, as you underline those things in your Bible. Those four things, he's heard, he's seen, he's looked upon, and he's touched. John was actually there walking and talking with Jesus. He's heard the very message of Jesus, the very gospel message that Jesus proclaimed. He's seen him with his eyes, and not just John, but the other apostles and the other disciples that were with him, right? We as a company are telling you as eyewitnesses, we have seen this Christ, and we're telling you that we've seen miraculous things. We can proclaim to you at this point in time that God has become flesh. God has made manifest this very life, which Jesus is, very life of life, we have seen and we have heard and we have actually touched. You think about Thomas actually reaching out and touching Jesus. Think about the disciples actually touching Jesus. Wouldn't that be a miraculous thing to think about? The fact that 60 years later John is not he's not a lunatic, he's not a liar. He's saying 60 years later I'm willing to go to my death because of what I've seen, what I've heard, and what I've touched and I'm willing to proclaim that in a real way. These signs, wonders and acts of power as we see in Acts 2 Um, along with the many healings. He healed, he raised people from the dead, but ultimately, we look at Jesus' ultimate act, his miraculous act, was his death, his burial, and his resurrection, wasn't it? That was what John was looking to most importantly in this whole process was, I have seen the risen Lord. I've seen all the things he did before he went to the cross, but I've also seen all the things that he did after that as well. He came to new life, he came to life, and he was made manifest to us. So he came as a baby. who was manifest in the very flesh. And in that thing, we have now, we're, we're hearing that, we're seeing that, and we're proclaiming that. That eternal life. Look in the next part of verse 2 there. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was from the Father and was made manifest to us. Again, he repeats that word seen. And if you look at that back in John chapter 20, the, the man or the disciple that Jesus loved, he refers to himself that way, John. And he says, the one who's seen it, he doubles that up and says, I've seen it, testified, and proclaimed to it. That word seen there in John 20 and here is that now I have evidence and it's proven of who Jesus was. At the resurrection, right, the tomb was empty. The disciples rushed to the tomb, and once John saw that there was no body, he said that, that word there of seen was proof. There was evidence. It was a sure thing. What Jesus had said was true was true. It's like the aha moment for John. I've seen it. I've looked upon it. I have touched it. But that aspect of seeing now, that I've seen that, it's evidence, it's proof of that. Now I want to testify to it. This word is used as a legal word here. I want to testify. I'm willing to go to court I'm willing to go to my own cross, testifying to the fact of who Jesus was and what he did on his behalf. There was a personal, real relationship with with Jesus. I'm willing to not only testify to it, but I'm willing to proclaim it. And that's what John's doing in his gospel. That's what John is doing here, what John does in Revelation. It's always pointing, testifying, proclaiming Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not looking at John. It's not looking at the disciples. It's looking at the miraculous work of Jesus Christ coming to earth, being fully God and fully man, dying on the cross to take away his sin. And he's laying that all to bear, saying, I testify to the fact that I am a changed individual. Jesus is not just a man. and He's not just God. He's both God and man. He had to die so that he could live. And John is ready to proclaim that says, I proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And again, he repeats that. He was made manifest to us. Can you believe that? Can you believe that Jesus Christ was manifest to us? Made real, very real, very life of life? This eternal life is such a crucial piece of the equation. Not only right there, he talks about he was with the Father. It shows his eternality, shows his divinity. He was with the Father, but now he's with us. He's come from heaven to earth. May manifest to us. We see that. We understand that. We testify to that. And again, I think through that process. Even as believers, we ha- we don't have the opportunity to see him physically like John did, but we look through Scripture and we know that he existed. We see historically. We see empirical evidence that he existed. We know that he's, he was here. By the testimony of all these, by other historical references, other people have testified to the fact that Jesus actually lived and died and rose again. But as believers, are we testifying to that in our own life? If you've never been born again, if you've never truly repented of your sin and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can't testify to the fact of what Jesus did in your life. And if you can't testify, then you can't proclaim it. So John was able to, not only he was able to see it, he was able to testify to it, he was able to proclaim the fact that this is actually eternal life. This was actually eternal life in that process. Thinking through the the prophecies that he he created and he fulfilled is an amazing thing, but to think that Jesus Christ, in the most, most miraculous way, coming to earth, was the most miraculous event of human history. So thinking about that, think about that aspect of us testifying, us proclaiming that as believers, we see that below the next part of that, verse 3 says, that which we have seen and heard and proclaim again, repeating that, he's trying to emphasize the fact that he is seeing, he's hearing, he's proclaiming, also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So thinking about that aspect of fellowship, the word fellowship here is kononia, It it actually occurs 20 times in the New Testament. And it really must begin, fellowship must begin with relationship. You can't have fellowship without relationship. And I think it's so crucial for us to understand that, to understand the process that it takes to actually begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now again, this may be, this is new for some and, and really an old word for others, but hopefully this is a renewed sense of reality for all of us. That to have fellowship with God, true fellowship with God, we must have a relationship with God. How do we have a relationship with God? Well, first and foremost, we must understand that we are sinners. So again, you look at the first part of 1 John, it talks about who Jesus is. The second part of 1 John talks about what sin is, what separates us from a holy God. We have to understand that we are sinners and we're separated from a holy God. We have to understand that because without understanding our own sin, then we have no need for a Savior if we don't think we are sinners. And John was very clear on that, that we are sinners. You either walk in a pattern of darkness or you walk in a pattern of light. So the pattern is how you walk. What is it that you're walking? Is it walking in a way that is to the world and is sin? Or is it, is it a pattern of light? It's a pattern of walking after Christ. So, thinking about that aspect of relationship with Christ, I was thinking back when I was a little guy, and uh, I was, my, my father did, uh, did pools. He actually was a, I'll call him a pool man, but he actually was, uh, he made and maintained pools. And I was a little guy, I was probably three or four years old, and I would go with him on these, on these trips to clean these pools. And one day I fell into this pool. And there was a point where I thought I could swim a little bit, and so I started struggling a little bit, but pretty soon, I realized there was a hopelessness there in my eyes. The hopelessness had is I knew I was drowning. I knew that I had no hope. And the only person I could look to was my dad, and I started yelling out for my father. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I couldn't see him, but I was yelling for him. My father jumped in, grabbed me out of the pool, and embraced me. He saved me. I had no hope. I thought at that point, there was nothing that I could do to be saved. I was hopelessly lost. Hopelessly lost. My father jumped in, grabbed me, pulled me out of the pool, and I embraced him because I knew that he was, in that sense, my Savior for the day. As I think about this and I think about our relationship with Christ, we have to understand that we are drowning in sin. We have to realize that we're dead in our trespasses and our sin. We have to realize there is only one hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Jesus Christ, the perfect God-man, came to earth, lived the perfect life, and died on the cross so that he could be our Savior. He paid the price that we deserve to pay. We deserve death and separation from him forever. We deserve complete and utter separation from God. He is the only way. John John eleven twenty five says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Or John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is absolutely nothing that we can do to our salvation. Nothing that we can do. We must completely and totally, as John did and the rest of the disciples did, completely and utterly fall at the feet of the cross and say, I am undone. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I have seen the very God-man Jesus Christ. I have testified to what he has done and the many miraculous miracles he's performed. But ultimately, I've seen him go to the cross, the very cross that I deserved, and he died the death I should have died. And he rose again. And when I put my total faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I am now gone from death to life. John had something victoriously to talk about. And he was going to proclaim it not only in English, the gospel, but also in 1 John. He was going to write this years later. He's in his 90s now, still proclaiming the good news of Jesus and refuting anybody who comes in his path. And when I think about this passage, I think about the people in this world, all these churches out there that claim to be Christian churches that aren't proclaiming. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You're totally depraved. You are totally sinful. And apart from Jesus, you have no hope. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. The same false teachers, the same people are coming again, and saying, you know what, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You're You're not sinful. You're not too sinful. You don't need this Jesus. We absolutely need this Jesus. There's absolutely no hope apart from him. And so when I read this and I see John's passion and love and repeating himself, because you see throughout Scripture, as someone repeats themselves, that's an important emphasis there. I'm not, I've seen it, people. I've seen what I've seen. I can testify to it. Put me on the stand. And I want to proclaim it to you. I want to proclaim to you the truth the truth of Christ to you and to me. I want us to have fellowship. If you look at Philippians three, fellowship in His death. I want to have fellowship. I want to have koinonia with God, because without a relationship with God, we cannot have fellowship with God. We cannot walk and talk and understand. Even looking at First John, there, what we confess our sins, right? We're not perfect. Anybody who's perfect, please raise your hand. Please leave. None of us are perfect, and John states that. We have a great advocate in Jesus Christ, don't we? He says, look at me. I have paid for the sin of my beloved. So the question is, if you're walking in darkness, if your pattern of your life is darkness, that means you're not a believer. Not that you sin, but is the pattern of your life sinfulness. Is the pattern of your life sin upon sin upon sin? Or is the pattern of your life light, which God is light? Is the pattern of your life one that is, when I sin, I am convicted of that sin and I go to my knees for repentance. I want a right relationship with God. I want fellowship with God. He is my foundation. He is my all in all. He is my everything. Do I have that type of relationship and fellowship with God daily as I go into his word? And you see, John, John is daily focusing on the one mission and purpose that he had was proclaiming Jesus. Why? Because he was radically changed. He was radically forgiven. He had a hope and a future. That he's telling these believers, hey, you have a hope and a future. Don't listen to anybody else. Listen to the truth of who Jesus was, what he did, and what he saved you from. It's such a beautiful picture of what that means and what that looks like. Because when we have fellowship with God and we're walking with him, not only do we have that that beautiful picture of relationship, but then we also have relationship with others. The only way that I have relationship with others in a real, intimate, eternal way is because of my relationship and my fellowship with Christ. As my vertical relationship with him is right, my horizontal relationship with others will be right. And that's exactly what he says here. Also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, meaning this unity of fellowship with fellow believers, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. That is the basis of our fellowship. That's the basis of why we're here. We don't come here week in and week out check out each other's clothes prayerfully we don't do that we come here because we want to have fellowship with those that are followers of Jesus we come here to worship our great God and King we come here to open up the word and say what is God telling us and how am I going to respond to that we come here to confess our sins we come here to fellowship and communion Fellowship and worship, fellowship in spurring one another on. The first word for fellowship, kononia, happens in Acts 2.24. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 1 John 4, 7-12 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God has made manifest to us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Philippians 2 says this, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being in the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of the one mind. What is that one mind? What is that one love? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's unity in our relationship understanding and following after Jesus I wrote down Romans 12 9 10 but even looking at one another's love one another Uh, Hebrews 10 24 spur one another on first Peter 4 9 show hospitality serve one another in Galatians 5 kind and compassionate admonish one another encourage one another think about the one another's of Scripture That's the sweet fellowship that we have at First Street Bible Church. First, it is that we we point people to the cross. We point people to Jesus. If you've never, ever put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've never repented of your sins, and by faith accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is that day. You can't have fellowship with God or with others without that relationship. You're drowning, you're dying, there's only one hope. There's only one life preserver, one lifeboat, and it's Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. Nothing you can do. Zero. And for many of you, that is an, an old saying. I understand that, I get that. But the reality is, how are we living that way? Are we testifying to that? Are we proclaiming that day in and day out? John was not afraid of death. He was not afraid of people rejecting him. He didn't come to the assembly and look around and say, I'm comparing myself to someone else. All he did was look up. His focus was up, not focus of looking around. But as he looked around, he wanted passionately to point others to Christ. He wanted to refute false doctrine and false teachers, and he wanted people to be pointed to love and the work and the person of Jesus Christ completely and totally. So for me, I think about that on a moment-by-moment basis. I thought about the foundation of our fellowship. The foundation of our fellowship has to be Jesus Christ. There's nothing else other than that. And the totality of Scripture. We believe in the inerrancy and the infallibility of Holy Scripture. We want to follow Him. We want to honor Him. We want to glorify Him and praise Him through that process. If you look at verse 4, and we are writing these things. Why are they writing these things? So that our joy may be complete. I want my rejoicing to be complete. Now, this side of heaven, I don't think it's going to be as complete, but he's, the focal point is heaven, ultimately. But the fact that if we have a, a right relationship with God and fellowship with him, and we have a right relationship with others, and we're fellowshipping with others, then how, how joyful is that? How much joy do you have when you are in right relationship with God and you're in right relationship with your brothers and sisters? There's many times we look, we come to church, and we have something against one another. Let's keep a short account. Let's go to that brother. Let's follow Scripture in that way, because I want to have fellowship with you, and I want you to have fellowship with me. Because if our relationship with God is broken, if there's something there that needs to be confessed and something there that needs to be repented of, we never lose our salvation. I want that to be very clear. We never lose our salvation. But that fellowship, that intimacy that's there with our relationship with Christ, if there's something in our life that we're not walking in light as he is light, there's something we need to confess. And God tells us very clearly there in 1 John that he'll he'll forgive those things. I want to to restore you back into a right fellowship with me. And in doing that, I also want to have a right relationship with someone else. So that relationship and fellowship with one another, if there's something that isn't right with one another, we need to go to that person and say, let's make this right because I want to have right fellowship because my fellowship with you is not correct, then this will be, this will be har- harmed as well. There's sin here on the vertical if there's sin on the horizontal relationship with you and I. So as you think through this text and think about this, I really prayed about this a lot because I'm thinking, what is it? This is something that we've all heard over and over again, right? I go to First John and say, hey, new believers, go to John, read, read the gospel of John, go to First John, look at verse John 5, tells you about the assurance and security in Christ and relationship with him. But I thought about this for us, for you and I. Number one is, I think it's a good reminder for us to think about those things of, hey, you know what? I have seen, I have experienced Christ's redemptive work in my life. I may not have seen him physically, but I know what he's done personally in my life when he redeemed me. I went from death to life. The fruits of the Spirit, you look at Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Is that what my life looks like? When I think about these things and I think about the, the amazement of, of who God is, and I think about the one another's of Scripture, I want to love God more fully because I want to have a fellowship with Him, but I also want to have a fellowship with you and I. I want us as a body of believers, us as First Tree Bible Church, to look different than anybody else. I want us to have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with one another. Thinking about this, Jesus, in the aspect of just holding fast, I looked at Revelation 2.25, and it said, hold fast to Christ and one another until Christ returns. That's kind of the synopsis I gave it there. Hold fast to Christ and one another until Christ returns. That's what I want us to do. I want us to hold fast to Christ and one another until Christ returns. Is that what you want? Is that what what you want? I pray that this morning that any of you that doesn't have a relationship with Christ, that as you look through 1 John, and you see all the way from 1 John 1 all the way through chapter 2 there, first part of chapter 2, we need to acknowledge our sin, what sin really is, and we also need to acknowledge who Jesus is. Who is Jesus Christ? He's the Savior of the world. He's our propitiation for our sins, payment for our sins, completely and totally. So I pray that this morning, as we think through this passage of Scripture, and there's so many more things that we could have talked about and discussed here about fellowship and looking throughout all the, all the words for fellowship, the other 19 or so fellowships throughout the New Testament ultimately came down to Christ was the center of all fellowship. And as we think about our own life and our own heart this week, how are we going to testify to the person and work of Jesus Christ and how we're going to proclaim it not only out there but also here inside these walls too because how we love each other and how we come alongside each other and how we serve one another and how we're compassionate to one another and how we encourage one another and, and spur one another on are all ways that we show true fellowship and true love for one another and that's my prayer for first year. I think there's one thing that I would ask for each of us is that we look at our own lives, our own relationships, our own fellowship, and say, Does that is that something that depicts me? First of all, am I a follower of Christ? Do I have, do I have a right relationship and fellowship with God? But then second of all, do I have a right relationship and fellowship with one another? If you have anything against your brother, I, I pray that this week, even today, that you go to them and ask for forgiveness. They would go to them and show them in one way, shape, or form, how you can serve them, how you've been kind and compassionate to them, how you can love them. Because in that, you definitely completely show your relationship with Christ is made manifest. Such a beautiful picture of God and His Word to think about the fact of that sweet fellowship and that foundational fellowship that we have. So I pray that this morning, each and every one of us, as we think through um, just what God has done in our own life. I pray that'd be a renewed sense of purpose and passion in our life today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to to honor and serve you. I thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord, to see what you have done in your word, to see that you came to earth and died and rose again. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to testify to that, Father, to testify to that in our own life, that you have done a mighty work, a miraculous work in our life, and you'd help us proclaim that eternal life to those we come in contact with, Father. Lord, we proclaim this because we have a a hope that is you. We proclaim it, and we testify to it because you have given everything to us. Lord, and I pray that in our own life, this would not become mundane. It would not become secondary in our life, Lord, but it'd be primary in our life. As we think through our relationship with you, our fellowship with you, our daily quiet times and our times of worship on a Sunday morning. Lord, I pray that also that you would ask, help us, Lord, as we think about our fellowship with one another, Lord. I pray that it would be sweet fellowship with one another. I pray that we would keep a short account that that fellowship that they, that the disciples and the apostles understood and, and, and realized and saw, Lord, Lord, I pray that that would be what it is here at First Tree Bible Church, Father. This would not be something that I have to do, Lord. I don't have to come to First Street Bible Church. I get to come to First Street Bible Church. I get to open up God's Word. I get to sing praises to you. Lord, I'm so thankful that you came to earth. I'm so thankful that, that you paid the debt that I couldn't pay. Thank you for saving me from my sin. Thank you for saving me from my ongoing sin. Lord, I pray that you would, again, Be honored and glorified by our actions and our words and our testimony, Father, each and every day. Lord, when they see us, they would see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.